Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. I have recently had a first time experience. This past weekend, I had a first time experience. Is, is anybody here who likes to do things for the first time ever? Okay. How many of you, hands down, hands down, how many of you are like, dude, I do not try new things by principle because if it's not broke, don't fix it. I never try new things. One person, she's like, I hate broccoli. I'll never like broccoli. I'll never try it. Okay. And how many of you are like, dude, if it's new, I will do it no matter how dumb it sounds. You're like, eating tree bark. I've never done it. Let's go. Right. I know how you guys work. I know how you guys work. I went to, uh, I went to Union High School. I went to Union High School and I met this dude who had a hairdo. And I promise you, it was the first time I had ever seen that hairdo. And I go, dude, like, I don't mean any offenses. I'm just asking you, um, how do I say this? Why? And he goes, bro, because I just want to be the first one to do it. He was the first. I have recently had a first time experience, but it does not include my hair. Nay, it does not include my wardrobe, though some of my friends did tell me to change before the gathering. Um, So I put on my big boy clothes. My first time experience this past Saturday was that I played Fortnite for the first time. No, 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 do not start that. Is that you dying? No. All right, I grossly, I grossly, I grossly misunderstood the consequences of that action. I'm immediately regretting this. I played Fortnite for the first time. And what I've learned is that Fortnite is not this cute little game like, oh my gosh, that was so much fun, let's play again. Yo, you dudes are savage. Like, I've been out of the video game scene for a quick minute and um, I've learned that you guys have evolved, right? Like, you guys, it's more than just like picking your player. It's more than like, hey, do you wanna be the guy or the girl? Like, it's more than just like the arcade games where it's like, pick like a cool character. Like, they're skins. You like learn each other's noobness based on the skins that they have. I'm like, this is a whole new world. I'm learning. We're in the, uh, I think it's called the lobby. And I'm in the lobby and there are people choosing dance moves. I'm like, what are the dance moves for? They're like, oh, you'll see. That's all I said. Oh, you'll see. And I'm like, are you going to like have a dance off? Like a dance battle to save the world? Like, what is happening? And so quickly I learned as I'm parachuting into this battle, I quickly learned I have no idea what I'm doing. And it took me about seven times before I made it past the first two minutes, okay? Because if you land and you don't have a gun, you're just a goner. And so I'm running around and I'm getting slaughtered. And dude, this is when I realized that it was particularly savage. I'm running around, I don't have a gun, right? I am innocent bystander number 12, okay? I do not have a gun, I'm running around, Homegirl with some weird skins. She comes at me. Da, 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 da. And I'm thinking, all right, the game's gonna restart. It didn't restart because I wasn't dead. I'm literally, I'm like, why is it not respawning? And the guy's like, dude, you don't, you don't have all life. She brought me to within an inch of my life. And as I'm sitting here wondering, why would she do it? Like, why didn't she just finish me off? She starts dancing on my dead body. 
I was like, yo, this isn't even like mercy killing. She wasn't like, dude, welcome new bong. She was like, dance, bleed. And she literally sat there and danced on my dying body until she made me crawl to her body. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like the game is, so I'm literally, start, I start crawling. I don't have a gun. I don't have a tip. I'm just crawling until I'm at her feet. She dances. And then she puts me out of my misery. And I was like, I'm done. I can't, this is like psychological warfare at this point, right? There's some six-year-old girl in Taiwan. She just made a grown man cry. I played one more time. I played one more time. And after learning my mistakes, I come through the roof and I start doing, do you guys call it pillaging? No, no, no. Uh, scavenging? What is that called? Looting. I start looting, right? I'm like, I'm going to be a looter. And so not an a looter, though you are doing that. I start looting. I break through the roof with some, that's not even an ax. It's like a T-bone steak of a dinosaur, you know? And so you come through the roof and I go, dude, I got this. I finally got a gun. Got a little bitty handgun with six bullets. I'm like, what good is this? And so I make it past the first three minutes, not because I was a great gamer, but because I hid. And so I'm just like, they're like, bro, you're such a bush camper. I was like, I'm such a survivor, okay? And so I start wandering. Now I'm a little bit bored and I start wandering and I came to this place, right? I come to this place and you guys may recognize it. I come to this place and I'm like, ooh, that looks cool. I'll go in there. That looks cool. I've been wandering aimlessly, hiding in like little basements while people loot to try to survive the game. And so I go, you know what? I feel confident. I've survived for three minutes. Maybe it's time to get in the action. And so I start, I start doing the run thing because it's like he's just walking. I'm like, how are you supposed to fight battles like this? Because I press the left trigger. I'm like, okay, boom, I click it. Now I'm running. And I get over here. I go, dude, I'll go in there. And my friend goes, dude, don't go in there. I go, bro. You probably haven't been watching the last three minutes of my survival skills, but I think I got it. He goes, no, 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 bro, seriously, seriously, like, I'm, I don't want to see you like reset again. Don't go in there. That's Dusty Divot. What? I go, okay, why, why can't I go in there? He goes, dude, that's the Dusty Divot. If you go in there, you will be slaughtered. If you go in there, he goes, Sam, 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 listen, listen, I know you're trying to be funny, but seriously, like, I don't have time to wait. If you go in there, you will be sniped and destroyed before you even know what happened. So I didn't go into the dusty divot. I, I wanted to tell him, bro, to be honest, I don't think it matters where I'm at. I don't have a good chance for survival. But that day I decided I will not go into the dusty divot. And I died 10 seconds later. I died 10 seconds later. Students, tonight we're going to talk about a dusty divot, but it's the dusty divot of life. For the last several weeks, I've told you welcome, not welcome to Fortnite, welcome to the conflict. Welcome to the conflict. Each and every single one of us who are trying to live for Jesus, we are in a war. Welcome to the conflict. Living for Jesus is a battle. And today, as Jesus writes a letter to one of the seven churches, he is going to tell them, and we are going to see one of the hottest, most brutal fronts in the war. Today, we're gonna to find an arena in which better men than myself have been sniped and destroyed. Today, Jesus Christ, he comes to the church at Thyatira and he says, Thyatira, beware of Dusty Divot. Thyatira, you're in a war, but I want you to beware 
of Dusty Divot. And so we find out what Dusty Divot is in our text. Starting Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. Beware of Dusty Divot, students. Beware of Dusty Divot. Here we go. Verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are burnished like bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. Let's pause right there. Jesus Christ is walking among the lampstands. He knows these churches. And what he says to Thyatira, he goes, hey, hey, Thyatira, I know you. And here's what I know. I know your works. I know your works of love. I know your works of faith. I know your works of service. Friends, this is a church, when you think of Thyatira, this was a church that is good at ministry. This is a church of people who are contributing their God-given gifts, who they're working out acts of love and they're serving kindly to people. They know this. Thyatira, good on you. You're good at ministry. You're good at your works. You're consistent in them, patiently enduring. And then here's what's pretty cool. Not only are they good at works, they're getting better, right? He says, your, fir- your, your, your latter works exceed the first, which means that when they first became Christians, they were doing good ministry. And now it's even better than the first day. Thyatira is good at ministry. But look who's writing this letter. Who's writing this letter? The son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire, meaning he sees beyond just their works. Remember what fire is a metaphor for? Fire represents purity. Fire burns so hot that the impurities will be wiped away. And so Jesus is on fire here, right? Jesus, fire represents purity. It represents holiness. Jesus is so on fire with holiness that his feet, they're glowing hot with white hot purity, representing the fact that Jesus Christ walks in white hot holiness. His eyes are flaming fire, meaning that he's searching for holiness. He sees beyond the works of their hands and he's searching the condition of their hearts. Friends, Jesus sees beyond what others see. Thyatira, I know that you're good at ministry, but I look beyond your ministry. I'm searching for holiness. And so again, he's looking beyond the works of their hands and he's looking to the condition of their hearts. Citizens, close your eyes. Close your eyes right now. And I want you to picture that Jesus Christ is looking at you. Yes, you, individually, specifically. Jesus Christ is looking at you and he has these eyes of holiness. He has these eyes that are like flaming fire that is looking beyond your mask. It's looking beyond the front that you put up. It's looking beyond what other people see and he's looking at your heart. He's looking at your mind. He searches you and knows you. How do you feel right now? Open your eyes. That's the Jesus who is looking at you. And you know what your first thought probably is? That's scary, (laughs) right? But here's the thing, students, that reality, that picture should not scare you. It should relieve you. 
The fact that Jesus Christ sees beyond your mask and he sees beyond what other people see, that should relieve you. You don't need to hide because you can't. You don't need to keep up the front because you can't. This picture of Jesus is searching for holiness, that should lead you to come clean. That should lead every single one of us to just be transparent and to stop trying to hide because we can't. Jesus sees beyond what others see. So my first question for you tonight is this. Will you come clean? Will you come clean? Will you finally put down the mask, students? Will you finally put up the front that you're keeping, the appearances that you're trying to keep up? Will you come clean tonight? Jesus sees beyond what other people see. And so when he looks at Thyatira, yes, they're good at ministry, but I wonder what Jesus sees. I wonder what Jesus sees when he looks beyond the mask. And so we find out here. He says, but I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. So here's the problem in Thyatira. This woman is running rampant. There's this woman, like literally, there's a physical woman and she's running around doing her thing in Thyatira, claiming to be a prophet, claiming to be a teacher. And so rather than calling her out by name, <laughs> Jesus is savage. Rather than calling her out by name, he gives her this nickname. He goes, that woman, Jezebel. Everybody say Jezebel. Jezebel. And right away we're like, oh my gosh, what a pretty name, right? Jezebel, let me put in Chibes. Oh, she's Italian. Jesus, what a nice compliment, the Jezebel, right? No. Nah. This is not a compliment. Do you know who Jezebel is? <laughs> Do you know who Jezebel is? Let me tell you who Jezebel is. You go back to the book of Kings, right? And Jezebel was a woman from a foreign land who married the king of Israel. Everybody goes, aw. No, no, no. Jezebel married the king of Israel. And then now that she's the person closest to the king, now that she has the king's ear, she uses her proximity. She uses her influence to lure him away from serving God. She marries this dude and now she convinces her husband to serve other gods and to engage in the sexual immorality that comes with Baal worship. It wasn't just the king. Because of her influence, she convinced him to make that the law of the land. And so now there's an entire nation that is engaging in sexual immorality because of Jezebel. And it gets worse. It starts with the king. It leads to the people. And she convinces the king to give this command. Hey, don't just outlaw worshiping Yahweh. Kill anyone who's faithful to Yahweh and they slaughtered 400 prophets of the Lord. An entire nation was led away from serving the one true God because of Jezebel. An entire nation got caught up in sexual immorality because of Jezebel. Because of this seductress, the people were unfaithful. She was convincing. 
And so Jesus is saying to the person in Thyatira, he goes, she is like Jezebel. She is seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality. Does this sound familiar? Remember we talked about Satan's strategies, one and two? Which strategy is he using now? Which one, one or two? Number two. This is the strategy that we've talked about. And so just like Jezebel destroyed an entire nation, he says, dude, this woman in Thyatira, she is Jezebel. And what do we learn? That Jezebel tries to destroy God's people in the arena of sexuality. Just as she destroyed an entire nation, just as she seduced an entire nation, she is trying to destroy you. She is trying to turn followers of Jesus into followers of Jezebel. Thyatira, she's dangerous. Thyatira, why are you even tolerating her? Citizens, she's dangerous. She's the enemy. And you know what makes her even more dangerous? You want to see what makes her even more crafty and deceiving? Look who she is. Look who she is. She calls herself a prophetess. She claims to be spiritual. She's claiming to be godly. She's claiming to be a teacher. Let me give you an example. Earlier this year, we had some of you guys, you were in the academy. Colton, you were in there. Samantha Horton was in there. Uh, maybe a couple, uh, Brand, Brendan Conn was in there. And they were talking about a particular teacher at Clark College. You guys, high schoolers, remember that, that teaching, right? You remember that? And so one of these teachers at Clark College, they called her, I think they used the phrase feminazi, right? An atheistic, they used the phrase atheistic feminazi, right? She, and they were like, oh my gosh, she's so all garbage. And oh my gosh, she's spewing this out. Can you believe she said this? And here's the reality. None of those students were in danger of being influenced by this person. She, dude, she has, she has nothing to say to us. She's not one of us. I know where she stands and I can write her off. She's not a threat. But when someone stands up claiming to be godly, claiming to be a preacher, a pastor, a scholar, do you understand that they're probably more dangerous than the atheist, right? They're probably more dangerous because you guys go, oh, they have credentials. Therefore, what they're saying is credible. In the same way, she doesn't come in here as an atheist. She doesn't come in here as anti-Yahweh. She goes, no, 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 I'm one of you. Listen to me. I know what you believe about God. Update, he's cool with this. Update, guys, God doesn't care what we do with our sexuality. As a matter of fact, God wants us to come and mature in our sexuality. She's dangerous. And students, and here's why tonight's message is weighing so heavy on my heart because the spirit of Jezebel is running rampant today. The spirit of Jezebel is running rampant today. She is alive and well, and she is luring and enticing young people, citizens, youth, to serve other gods through sexual immorality. Students, this is Dusty Divot the arena of sexuality, this is Dusty Divot. This is the place, guys, like you, I, I love you guys. You guys are good at ministry. I see you guys, I see student leaders. You're good at reaching out. You're including people here. 
you have gifts, you serve, you love the Bible, all of these things. But the arena, the single most dangerous place in your world that threatens to slaughter you is your sexuality. Because the spirit of Jezebel is here luring you away. The spirit of Jezebel is the one who is saying, no, 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 no. Your traditional ethics of sexuality, those are outdated. That's naive. It's actually a mark of maturity to grow and to be liberated. And again, if these were the things being taught to you by atheists, you'd be okay. I believe that you guys love God enough and you know your word enough that if somebody who doesn't believe in God comes and tries to give you their ethic, you know enough to go, no, 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 that's not, I'm not about that life. I wouldn't be concerned if that was the case. But I am concerned for you guys because just like Jezebel, there are people within Christianity. There are people who claim to be preachers and scholars and theologians and they are now standing up in the midst of Christendom, in the midst of the church and they are the ones telling you, guys, you have it all wrong. People claiming to be godly teachers are standing up. They have the audacity to give themselves a platform and to talk about how, no, 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 you don't really understand the Bible. That was for that time. God wants us to be liberated. God wants us to be sexually mature. God wants us to admire and to welcome and even partake in sexual diversity. You go and you read, you go away to college, you will hear pastors, students, that will stand up from their pulpits and tell you that God's design for sexuality is passe. It's Jezebel. It's Jezebel doing what she does best, seducing and deceiving. The only way to describe the sexual ethic of our day is sexual insanity. Students, it sounds mature when they purport these things. It sounds mature and healthy when they talk about these things. But friends, it's destructive because they claim to liberate you and yet it's slavery because you will never have solid footing to set your feet on. And so you become a slave to this slippery slope. You become a slave to a sexual ethic that has no backbone. And before you know it, you're living in a camp where anything goes. Welcome to Dusty Divot. Welcome to the conflict where you and I are most likely to be sniped and murdered. What they're telling you, what Jezebel is telling you is the same strategy that, he, that Satan used in the garden, right? He comes to the woman and he says, did God really say not to eat of the tree? Oh my gosh, that's silly God. He's so like uptight, isn't he? He's so restrictive. Did he really say you can't have any tree? Oh my gosh, God just doesn't want you to grow up. God doesn't want you to be enlightened. God doesn't want you to mature and think for yourself. Taste it. Try it. Become a man. Become a woman. And friends, that is the place of destruction. God is not anti-sex. God is not anti-sexuality. God has created sex as a beautiful gift, but he's also given us a design for it. And students, in that design is fulfillment and satisfaction and joy and safety. Things that the world can never give you. 
but promise you all day. And only when it's too late will you realize I am living in sexual ruin and sexual insanity. The spirit of Jezebel is still rampant today. And if you want to learn more about this, I'm going to invite you. We're high schoolers. We're already doing this in the academy. But all of you are invited. For the entire month of June, we're doing a sermon series on Sunday mornings here at NGC. And it's called The Christian Sexual Ethic. You want to learn what God's design is for sexuality? Come, Sunday mornings, 9, 30, and 11, and we'll be there. High schoolers, if you normally come to the first gathering and then stay for the second, we're going to attend the first gathering together, and then second gathering, we'll go back to the lounge and discuss the sermon. And we'll just talk about it, we'll have coffee, cupcakes, and we'll, just, and we'll apply it to our lives. Welcome to the conflict, students. This is the hardest, most difficult front of the battle. We don't follow Jezebel. We follow Jesus. We don't even tolerate Jezebel. As a matter of fact, Jesus doesn't tolerate Jezebel. He promises to destroy her. Look what he says here. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works and I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart and will give to each of you according to your works. Jesus is gonna make his judgment very clear of Jezebel. Jesus is going to condemn this lady and he's going to punish all who follow her teachings. Look what he says. Again, Jesus, he's not mincing any words here. He says, you, Jezebel, you who are causing people to get into a bed of adultery, I'm gonna put you in a bed, a sick bed. Your children, those of, you, those of your followers who continue to pass on your teachings, yeah, they're soon gonna die. Jesus does not tolerate Jezebel. We should not tolerate Jezebel. He makes it very clear. And you know what his judgment does? Oh my gosh, Jesus, that's just so like rude. Shouldn't we at least listen to her podcast? Shouldn't we at least be open-minded? Shouldn't we at least be kind and give her an opportunity to share her thoughts? No, no, don't tolerate it. Get away from me. And the reason why we see him being so strict here is because no one will ever be able to claim that Jesus didn't care. No one will ever be able to say, Jesus doesn't mind Jezebel. Jesus thinks that she's just phone. Jesus, no, no, Jesus is very clear how he feels. She is not to be tolerated because she is seducing my servants to follow Jezebel, not Jesus. This is the one who searches our hearts and our minds looking for holiness. Friends, welcome to the conflict. This is Jezebel. So here's the question for you tonight. Have you fallen to Jezebel? Sam, I want to be a follower of Jesus, but man, you nailed it. Like Jezebel, it's like she's seducing me. It's like Jezebel has sniped me in the arena of sexuality. I don't know what to do, Sam. I've been coming and I put on the mask and I smile and I act like everything's okay, but I'm being murdered and slaughtered in the arena of sexuality. Sam, I know that she's there. I understand now that it's Jezebel and Satan, but what do I do about it? Is there any hope for you? Are you too far gone? If you fall into Jezebel, three things that you need to do. 
three things. Number one, you have to realize you're not alone. The worst thing that the enemy does to you, who right now, you are sitting here and you are fallen. I wonder who he's talking about. Talking to you. You are fallen. And what the enemy has done to you is that he has trapped you in this chair with the lie that you're the only one. He has trapped you in that chair because you're sitting here knowing what you did last week, knowing what you did this morning. And the enemy has you thinking, dude, if anybody knew who I was, man, I'd be the outcast. Man, if I ever came clean, oh my gosh. And students, I want to break the enemy's lie right now. And I want you to know this, that if you were to come clean, you'd be surprised. You're not alone. That's like saying, oh my gosh, I got murdered in Dusty Divot. I hope nobody finds out. Everybody's getting murdered in Dusty Divot. It's Dusty Divot. Students, this is the arena. Welcome to the war. You're not alone. We're all in it. You're not alone. Number two, you need to realize that there's grace. Another thing that keeps you in your chair, that keeps you in your shame, is the idea that you've gone too far. How many times have you sworn to yourself that you'd never be here again? How many times have you sworn to yourself, hey buddy, here, sit down, you're good. How many times have you sworn to yourself that you'd never fall into this trap again? You ask for forgiveness, you swear it off, you squeeze really tight and you go, I'm never gonna do this again. And 24 hours later, you're sitting in your bed going, I can't believe myself, I'm too far gone. I promised God I wouldn't do it, now I did it, now it's over for me. No students, there's grace. Look what he says, even to the people who followed Jezebel, look what he says, repent of her works. You mean to tell me that the followers of Jezebel are not too far gone? No, this is why Jesus Christ came, not to demand you to be better, but to take your place and to free you from your slavery to sin. That's why we love the cross, because that is the place that Jesus Christ freed us by taking our place. You don't have to pay the penalty of your sin. You don't have to remain far from God, even though you deserve it. Come back, turn yourself in. There's grace. You're not too far and you're not alone. And number three, you need to realize students that it's time to live in the light. It's time to live in the light. You guys keep the lid closed. You keep the lights off. You try to keep your sin confined to a corner of your world, hoping that nobody will ever find out if it's in the dark. But here's the problem about sin. It multiplies in the dark. Have you guys ever heard of the, the TV show, Animals Gone Wild? When, no, 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 no. When animals attack. There was this episode once and there was this lady who was like irrecognizable. She got mauled by a lion. So it starts off and you go, how did she get that way? You find out that she was a gorgeous model. And one of her photo shoots was that she was posing on a lion. And so during this shooting, during filming the commercial, this lady who's posing on the lion is suddenly flipped over. The lion turns around and starts mauling her. She was lucky to have her life. That sounds crazy, right? Here's the craziest part. They interview the trainer. And the trainer, looking at the camera, these are his words. I don't know what happened. We can't understand this. We have been grooming this lion since it was a cub and we pet it and we train it and we groom it. We keep it on a leash. I don't get it. I don't understand why it attacked. 
Because it's a lion. You have deceived yourself into thinking that you can groom it and pet it and keep it under your control, but it's a lion. Of course it attacked her. And that's your sin. I don't understand what happened. I, I kept it under control. When I said to sit, it sits. When I said to stand, it stands. It stood in the corner. I had it on a leash. I thought I had it under control. And then one day it attacks you and you go, I don't understand how this happened. That's what sin does, students. It will destroy you. And the only way to get rid of the lion is to not mess around with it. It's to come into the light where it is expelled. You need to live in the light. Because if you don't realize that you're not alone, if you don't realize that there's grace, and if you don't realize that you need to live in the light, you're gonna get slaughtered. You're gonna get slaughtered. How about we just remove this stigma? How about right now, Citizens Youth, on this day in May, 2018, we're just gonna go official, right? We're going on the record. Here we go. We're going on the record. We're going public with this. We are all fighting this war, period. Let's remove the stigma. Let's remove the stigma. It's no longer, oh my gosh, I wonder if anybody knows. We all know what you're doing. We all know that you're struggling. You know why? Because we are too. We're fighting this battle too. So let's stop kidding ourselves and let's realize that this is a war in which we all want to live for Jesus, not Jezebel. We all are trying to live for Jesus, not Jezebel. In a world that is bowing to Jezebel, we're standing for Jesus. In a world that is living for Jezebel, we wanna go against the grain and we wanna be a community that declares Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And look how Jesus ends his letter here. He warns them that Jezebel wants to slaughter them, but look how he ends this message. Just like Jesus does. He offers hope, he offers grace, and he offers encouragement as incentive. Look what he, how he ends this letter. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden, only hold fast until I come. The one who overcomes and who keeps my works until the hem, to the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. Everybody say authority. And he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To those who overcome, to those who are not being led away and seduced. And look, Jesus, he's just ice cold, right? He says, oh yeah, they think that these are deep things. They think that, they're, that the teachings of Jezebel are deep and mature. He goes, yeah, they're deep, all right. Deep things of Satan. And to those who overcome the deep things of Satan, I will give you authority. You will rule over the nations. You will sit on thrones one day, Christian, you will sit on thrones and be a part of the ruling class in Jesus' kingdom. Uh, thank you? <laughs> hey students, persevere, be encouraged, because one day you'll rule. Jesus, why is that encouragement? Why should that motivate me to overcome Jezebel? Why should that inspire me to overcome the teachings of Jezebel? 
Here's why. Because what he's saying is that the oppressed minority will one day become the righteous majority. Let me explain what I mean by that with the story. Anna Martin, we were just, we were talking not too long ago. She was at my house and we were talking with my wife, right? And we're just, hey, how are you doing? What's going on in life? And she said this, I asked permission beforehand. She said this to me. She goes, Sam, I just, sometimes I feel like I'm the only one. Talking about at school. She goes, I love Jesus, man. And, and Sundays and when I want to live for God. But when I get to school, I feel like I'm the only one. Can you relate? She says, I'm actually thinking about transferring schools because maybe if I go to the Christian school, then maybe I I won't be the only one. And what is she saying? She's saying, Sam, I'm tired of being in the minority and I long to be a part of the majority. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying one day, students, one day, if you overcome Jezebel, one day you will experience what it is like to be in the majority. One day you will be in a kingdom and you will experience what it's like to live in a world marked by righteousness, made up of people who love and live for Jesus. If you live for Jesus and not Jezebel, you will experience a day that is coming where you will not need to fear the evil in charge. You will no longer be subject to a system that is anti-Christ. You will rule. You will be a part of the ruling class. You will sit on thrones with Jesus, bringing about a kingdom of righteousness. All you have ever known, students, is the oppression of the evil empire that hates Christ. But one day, you will know the joy of home field advantage. You won't need to go to a Christian school to experience home field advantage. You won't need to surround yourself just with youth group kids to experience home field advantage. You will live in a world of people who live for Jesus, not Jezebel. That is encouraging. Hold on, students, because one day you'll be in the majority. And you know what that day will be like when it comes? You know what that day will feel like when you're finally waking up with the glory of eternity and the sun shining on your face in the new kingdom? You know what it'll feel like? It'll feel like you just received the morning star. And we end our sermon here with the beautiful imagery of the morning star. Because we all know what nighttime represents, right? The darkness. There's no joy in the night. There's no hope in the night. There is no light in the night. It is a time of depression. It is a time of oppression and darkness. It is nighttime. But when the morning comes when the morning star finally rises and your, and your eyes that have become accustomed to darkness, when they finally see the light of the morning, you know the night is over. The night is over. There's hope now. There's joy now. There's a new day that has dawned. You have made it through the night and you are experiencing the morning. You made it. That's what it will feel like for those of you who overcome. That's what it'll feel like for those of you who fall asleep in this life only to wake up and open your eyes in that life. That's what it'll feel like for those of you who are still alive when Jesus comes and he cracks the sky and he vanquishes his enemies with his word and he establishes a new kingdom. No, it's not Jerusalem. No, it's not Rome. No, it's not the United States. It's the kingdom of God. 
you will experience the morning star and you will experience a world where everyone says, we live for Jesus, not Jezebel. Students live for Jesus, not Jezebel, not Jezebel. And here's how we're gonna respond. Here's how we're gonna respond tonight. I'm gonna ask you a question that I already know the answer to, but I'm gonna ask it because I want you to be honest with yourselves. The question is, have you fallen to Jezebel? I already know the answer because I'm one of you. I already know the answer because I'm also in the arena. I'm also in the war and we are brothers and sisters. And so if you're gonna answer the question honestly, here's how you can respond tonight. Here's how you can respond if you wanna live for Jesus and not Jezebel. Number one, remember that you're not alone. And so I want you to confess. Not right now, right? Not in this moment. But here's what I want you to do. In a moment when we start just playing music and we're gonna give some time for response, I want you to take out your notes and I want you to write the name of one or two or three people that you're gonna confess to in the next two days. I dare you. You can stay in the corner. You can stay in the dark. That's great. You're gonna be destroyed. I'm pleading with you. Come on, confess. And be pleasantly surprised when that person says, me too. I'm with you. What are we gonna do about it? So that's the first challenge to you. Remember that you're not alone, confess. And write down the name. Who are you gonna confess to in the next 48 hours? The next one, remember that there's grace. And so you need to repent. Do you know what it's like when I sin? You ever sin against your mom or your dad and you just can't look at them in the eyes for like a couple days, right? It's like you did something and you know you're wrong. And so every time you come downstairs, you're like, hey mom. Hey, Dad. And, and you just, you're not here, right? Like, you just know there's something between you, and so you can't be here. You're not looking him in the eyes. Don't do that with the Lord. There's grace. You don't need to punish yourself and go, well, I have to, like, not talk to God for a week so I can put myself in timeout, and now I paid for my sins, so now I can go talk to him. You can't pay for your sins. Jesus did that for you. And so just come. Just come. And so tonight, as we pray, as we sing, as we sit in silence, perhaps your response is to pray for the first time in a couple weeks. To look at God in the eyes. To turn yourself in and to stop hiding. Because just like in the garden, he says, Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you right now? Tonight you can answer and say, God, here I am. I'm right here. No more hiding. And then number three, the final one, remember to live in the light. And so here's the challenge for you. I want you to write on your paper, who are you going to give access to into your life? The only way to stay in the light, the only way to live a life of transparency and purity is to give leaders who can have the key to your life and at any moment they have access. We talk a lot about access here. If you're new, what I mean by that is this. If I go to your house right now, Elias, right? You're new, welcome Elias. If I go to your house right now, am I gonna walk in the door? No, that'd be weird. You may shoot me, right? What am I gonna do if I show up to Elias' front door? I ring the doorbell. The universal sign for can I come in? But if he gives me a house key, what do I do when I walk to that front door? I just walk right in. Because he's already given me access to come in anytime I want. Are there leaders in your life who at any moment can knock on the door and ask you the hard question, how are you doing in this area? 
Students, I already told you, we're getting rid of the stigma. In my group, my small group, and my guys and my seniors, it is commonplace for us to get together and we ask questions like, dude, have you looked at porn since the last time we talked? That's, that, oh, you talk, welcome to the war. Like, are we joking? We want to put on pretense? We recognize that we're brothers in battle. So who are we fooling to think that we're not in the battle? Dude, are you sleeping with your girlfriend? Those are commonplace questions. So let's make those common. Let's give people access to ask us the hard questions because that is the only way you will stay in the light. And so as we sing, how are you going to respond tonight? Which one of these do you need to respond tonight so that you can live for Jesus, not Jezebel? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you that in a world that is screaming out sexual insanities, God, you give us stability, you give us truth, and you give us direction. But Lord, I pray that you would keep us from all evil. We have your way, but often we don't have the will or the power, God. We don't avail ourselves of the power of the Spirit to live on the path marked holiness. So Lord, I pray that the story of citizens would be different than the stories of other students that we would not be slaughtered on the battlefront of sexuality. Lord, that we would not be sniped in the dusty divot of our lives, but that, Lord, by your spirit, we will prevail, that we will overcome the teaching and the power and the spirit of Jezebel, that we would bind together with our brothers and sisters, arm in arm, not thinking we can do it on our own, but recognizing our need for each other. God, I pray that we would have more than buddies in this youth group. God, I pray that there would be deeper relationships than simply talking about sports. I pray that there would be brothers here and sisters here who dive to the depths of our lives and talk about real things. Forge those friendships, God. Forge those relationships, I pray, so that the result would be a community of students learning to live for Jesus, not Jezebel. A community of students who are walking in victory and continually growing from one degree of glory to another community that stands against the status quo because you are holy and so we want to be holy. Help us, I pray, Lord, by your word and through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.